a roundup of the main business news from China and elsewhere. This is Global Business. Coming up on Global Business, it's day three of the Chinese New Year. As spring festival celebrations continue across the country, we take a closer look at the booming holiday consumption. And aiming to use the mind to control devices, Elon Musk's Neuralink recently announced it implanted its first chip in a human brain. We begin with China's spring festival holiday consumption. The holiday box office has raked in 3.2 billion yuan, or 450 million U.S. dollars so far. The top two films, You Only Live Once and Pegasus 2, are both comedies, while in the third place is an animation sequel, Boonie Bear, Time Twist. The three best-selling movies contributed more than 80% to the overall market. Driven by the strong holiday performance, China's total box office so far this year has surpassed that of the U.S., grossing over 4.3 billion yuan or 600 million U.S. dollars. And moving to Hainan, duty-free sales in that free trade port hit 245 million yuan or 34 million U.S. dollars on the first day of Chinese New Year as tourists flocked to the resort island province. The average spending per capita reached 6,500 yuan or approximately 920 U.S. dollars. While the spring festival travel rush sees millions of people heading home to celebrate the Chinese New Year holiday with their families, data from travel service platforms show 42 of the top 50 tourist destinations are in southern China. Hotel bookings in northeast China's major cities have also increased by 10 times, led by the popular ice and snow city of Harbin. CGTN's Daikai takes a look at how China's railways are handling the high volume of passengers. Travel across China ramped up in recent days as millions boarded trains and hit traffic roads, most heading back to their hometowns for an annual gathering. But there are travelers who venture further and embark on leisure travel with family and friends. Now, when you step into any railway stations in China, this is what you expect to see during this holiday season. Crowds coming and going in an orderly manner. Many are making homecoming trips. Others are off on tourist vacations. And that variety requires railway authorities to have plans in place to handle both types of travelers. I'm currently heading from Yueyang to Changsha, then catching a connecting flight to Chongqing to spend the Lunar New Year with my in-laws. I'm heading to Changsha South to get back to my work post. There is some last-minute work there today, so I have to go in for overtime. The plan is to take the kids to Damisha in Shenzhen and then visit the wildlife park. It's the first time for both kids to go on such a long trip. Located at the crossroads of Hunan, Hubei, and Jiangxi provinces, Yueyangdong Railway Station serves as a major transit hub. Travelers here are sitting out on sightseeing trips after harsh snowfall and freezing rain has just ended. The crowds pose a test for the station's capacity. We're increasing capacity based on the passenger flow patterns for family visits and tourism, especially during the peak returning period in the following days. We'll operate overnight trains to meet passenger demand to the fullest. We have set up medical stations and 16 free charging points for traveler convenience. Additionally, we're collaborating with local authorities to ensure smooth transportation connections for travelers. Officials have estimated a record 9 billion trips during this year's Chunyun. According to China State Railway Group, the railway will accommodate 480 million passenger trips, or an average of 12 million trips per day. This marks a nearly 38% increase compared to last year's travel season. With the surge in passenger volume, 
All our staff are stationed to monitor and organize passenger flow, ensuring safety and orderliness on site. China's railway system analyzed travel patterns and adjusted schedules to meet passenger needs. More trains now run from big cities to popular destinations like Chengdu, Wuhan and Xi'an for family visits. And service has been extended as well to tourist cities in northeast China for holiday traveler. With hundreds of millions relying on China's railways to reach their destinations, authorities are making every effort to ensure a smooth and enjoyable journey for all travelers. And for more on China's Spring Festival holiday consumption, we head to the country's northeast and the city of Shenyang, capital of Liaoning, one of China's coldest provinces. Our Guanyang is there with more. Guanyang, first of all, happy Chinese New Year to you. And we know, of course, China's winter economy has seen a growth surge in recent years. How has the popularity of winter sports contributed to the tourism boom in the region? Happy New Year to you too, Michael. We all know that the Chinese New Year is a time to worship ancestors, pray for good harvest, and spend some quality time with family and friends. And there are plenty of ways to celebrate the Lunar New Year because the vastness of the country, uh, from north to south and from east to west, each part has its unique way of celebration. Now, for instance, in southern China, you can find lion dance, dragon dance, temple fairs, flower market, and so on. That at any street corner, whereas in the northeast, in such bone-chilling winter, we have snow skiing, hot spring spas, trekking on the snow-covered mountains, ice dancing festival, and of course, ice and snow amusement park like this one here in Shenyang. Now, since the city of Harbin went viral at the beginning of the year, the Harbin phenomenon has sparked a ripple effect. The popularity of winter activities has brought attention to other northeastern cities, which are also experiencing a tourism boom. Uh, it, is, it is reported that this winter tourism revenue in the three northeastern provinces of Heilongjiang, Jilin and Liaoning have increased by 900%, 660% and 230% respectively. Uh, the bustling ice and snow business in the northeast has not only stimulated winter tourism but ha uh, has also uh, boosted development of related industries such as accommodations, food and drinks, transportation, souvenirs and the late night entertainment. So all of this show that how cold resources can be transformed into a thriving economy. Back to you, Michael. Yeah. Hot spring in a winter wonderland. That sounds nice. Guayang, many thanks for that report. Stay warm. Our Guayang for us in Cheyang, the capital of Liaoning province. Thank you. Well, tourists, among them fans of Chinese historical fantasy dramas, have flocked to the Hengdian World Studios in eastern Zhejiang province for a special lantern show celebrating the spring festival holiday. Our Chen Tong was there. Get ready to visit the past in Hengdian. Surrounded by these beautiful lanterns, you feel you are traveling back to ancient times. You even feel you have the Kung Fu skills. This is the magic of the Hendian World Studios, attracting tourists who love Chinese culture from all over the country. Many Chinese costume dramas were filmed at these studios. Chinese poems written on lanterns. Giant lanterns in the shape of the long, or dragon will help you immerse yourself in a beautiful environment. I feel it broadens my visual scope. This environment is easy to bring me back to ancient times. It's fun. 
I just toured around. I was impressed that the non-player characters were taking photos with us. These characters dressed up well and they look good. I'm happy to take photos with them. I took many beautiful photos. My social media accounts will be very good this Chinese New Year. Parts of the light show recreate scenes from what are known as Xianxia or immortal hero dramas, a genre that blends Chinese mythology with fantasy. Many popular dramas featuring immortal heroes were broadcast in 2023, and Hendian is where many Xianxia dramas were born. Many young people have a passion for these dramas, so we held a Xianxia-themed lantern show. The Spring Festival night show will run until the end of February and the start of the Lantern Festival. Chen Tong, CGTN, Hendian, Zhejiang Province. Well, China's National Development and Reform Commission, the NDRC, says it will continue to improve the business environment for private companies. The country's top economic planners said it will push forward legislation on promoting the private economy. In the meantime, it will make sure that all relevant existing policies are implemented in good time. It will improve the accessibility of information for private firms and encourage them to take part in key national projects. The NDRC also said it will strengthen communication between private companies and the government by optimizing a multi-level dialogue mechanism on a regular basis. The government says it will quickly address issues that inhibit the development of private businesses from both an individual and collective perspective and resolve them to help firms grow. So call it winter economics or the ice and snow economy, China has seen a rapid rise in interest and demand when it comes to winter-related consumption. So let's get more on that and bring in Chu Qiang, a research fellow at the Beijing Foreign Studies University. Chu Qiang, Happy New Year to you, first of all. Um, let's talk more about this because the International Olympic Committee estimates that China's winter sports industry is expected to reach some 150 billion U.S. dollars by next year. And it's not just the northern regions of China seeing interest in winter sports, but people living in warmer parts of China are also increasingly searching for indoor skiing venues as well. So uh, is China, you think, set to become the world's largest winter sports market? Well, Michael, uh, first of all, a happy Chinese New Year to you and to our, all of our audience. Uh, you know, this is the third day of our Spring Festival, and also I'm very glad to talk about this topic. Well, I think, yeah, what you mentioned probably is going to be the question for lots of people in there. I still remember my first encounter with ice skating myself. It's in the end of the 1990s in a subtropical, scorching hot southern Chinese city named Shenzhen. When I walked, uh, walked into a very big shopping mall, I see a artificial, you know, ice skating yard. That was shocking. Shocking not because, not only because it's fantastic to me, but also is shockingly expensive. So I think the reason why uh, in China, the popularity for the ice and the snow economy is not as good as in Switzerland and North America is because number one, it really picks geolocation. It requires temperature. And secondly, it really need, you know, a money investment. You need, you know, all kinds of refrigeration uh, and infrastructures and uh, et cetera. And uh, it's re really high, you know, per customer transaction kind of the business. So in order to solve the kind of a problem, if you want to popularize the sports into a warmer part of China, you need the whole upgrading of the businesses, infrastructures, and operation. But very glad we have already seen the possibility in China right now because right now 
more than 80% of all kinds of equipment and infrastructures and smaller to the goggles and equipment and gadgets are made in China. So it much more lowered the cost for all kinds of the investment and you know, uh, the environment making and also the, uh, the gadget using. Mm. And also secondly, uh, with the upgrading of people's income in China, for example, right now I think the income for China for people uh, is getting close to 8,000 US dollar per people. So when always when you cross that kind of threshold in income, you can afford those kind of a little bit more expensive sports in China. And also, I think uh, with the whole operating and infrastructures in many major Chinese cities, I think even a smaller or a middle-sized Chinese city in the southern China can afford to build such kind of venues and equipment. So I think right now we have already seen many southern Chinese cities have built a you know, indoor snowing uh, you know, yard or skiing yard or skating yard. So I think it's going to be more and more with the year to come. Mm. And Chishan, what is the level of policy support from the central to local governments in terms of promoting the development of China's winter economy? Well, I think from the year of 2016, there's the beginning of the year for the central leadership and the top design in this industry. Well, uh, you know, I think the golden opportunity is the Winter Olympic Games. And surrounding this, I think Chinese government has made a very thorough you know, top design from this industry, from the infrastructures development to all kinds of the games operation organization and to the equipment development and the research and also to the ice and snow tourism. You can find more than 20 uh, of the uh, central government documents on that. Probably for the foreign audience, you will be a little bit strange about that, but in China, I think government initiative is very important, the first impact towards any sports industry. For example, everybody knows China is the champion for the ping pong ball, but also uh, before the year of 1940, people, most of the Chinese people don't even know about this game. So Chinese government really put into a lot of you know, education, uh, popularization initiative and campaigns to let people know about it and the down payment of the investment into the sport. So China now, you know, champion is a sport. And a similar story happened with the uh, basketball. You know, NBA used to be a very strange word to Chinese people as well, but now NBA has a lot of success in China and as well as basketball. So I think the similar story will happen with the snow and ice sports and, you know, businesses in China as well. Okay, so we know that there is rapid growth in China's winter sports market. The scale is there. So from sports gear makers to those in hospitality, how can international businesses better leverage the opportunities presented by China's growing ice and snow economy? Well, I think in this field, I think international players really have their unique advantage because, as I mentioned, it's a very high PCT sports. So I've been targeting as a rather well-off, you know, participants. So at this level, I think international players, they have international standards, international reach, and they have rich experience and histories in the competition. For example, even though right now more than 85% of the all kinds of infrastructures and you know gadgets and the sports are made in China, but you know more than 80% of the profit are earned by the international champions. For example, you know the, the Burton and the Oakley, uh, the uh, the Holti, and also the other kinds of the uh, equipment and the gadget makers from the North America, from Europe, they're making the huge gain during this skyrocketing businesses in China. And also, I think the similar stories has already been happening with the high-end, you know, tours and, and uh, you know, sports consumptions. For example, 
Uh, Disneyland are making a very good game in China. Universal Studio have a very good game in China. And also NBA had a very good game in China. So I think international players, they do have their advantage and worth our learning as well. And also more than you just jump into this field yourself directly. And you have another opportunity is invest in Chinese stock market. Because in China right now, we have more than 50, 50 you know, uh, listed companies. You know, their capitalization varies from the 10 billion Chinese yuan to more than thousands of uh, uh, worth of the billions of the Chinese yuan. So you can invest in their stocks and they've been covering from the upper string to the lower string of the whole industry chain. So there is open opportunity in there as well, especially when this industry is growing like 30% a year. Just consider in any given country and industry, you can have an industry growing for 30% of a year in the next five years. It's gonna be huge opportunities. Yeah. Absolutely blistering growth when it comes to the winter economy. Chijiang, we're going to leave it there. Many thanks for your insights as always. Chijiang, research fellow at Beijing Foreign Studies University. Thank you. Well, most regional markets here in Asia remain closed on Monday. Chinese mainland markets are closed for the week for the Chinese New Year, and Tokyo's market was also shut for a one-day holiday. Meanwhile, equities in Europe opened higher on Monday following a record-setting week last week for the S&P 500. That, of course, is the large cap stocks index of the U.S. stock market. Well, according to the Wall Street Journal, OpenAI CEO Sam Altman is seeking a trillion dollar investment to boost global AI chip capacity. Altman intends to raise around five to seven trillion U.S. dollars and is in talks with investors, including the United Arab Emirates government. Mr. Altman aims to address impediments to open AI, such as the scarcity of AI chips essential for the large language models behind systems like ChatGPT. According to the report, Altman also plans to establish chip foundries run by manufacturers. Meanwhile, the U.S.'s Semiconductor Industry Association forecasts over 13% growth in global chip sales to more than $595 billion this year, that stands in contrast to an 8% decline in 2023. Well, telepathy has long been considered the stuff of science fiction. Star Wars hero Luke Skywalker, for example, using the Force is part of cinema's iconography, but controlling computers or other devices, including prosthetics with the human mind, has taken another step towards reality with Elon Musk's latest venture. He believes the possibilities of this technology are limitless. But, as is often the case with Mr. Musk, it isn't without controversy. Arwen Faircloth explains. Elon Musk has upended the auto industry, space travel, and to an extent, social media. Now the head of Tesla, SpaceX, and X, formerly Twitter, is trying to master something akin to telepathy. That's a big deal. Um, that is a monumental achievement, honestly. Musk is also the founder of Neuralink and recently announced the company implanted its first chip in a human brain. He isn't the first into this field. Trials around the world have been underway for some time to test how people can control a computer or potentially any device with their minds. This has enormous potential for overcoming paralysis and using prosthetics. But Musk's achievement using wireless technology is considered a milestone. The real proof in the pudding is going to come from where are we at six months, 12 months, 24 months. <laughs> if the device continues to function well on that time frame, now the landscape has changed. And Musk is thinking beyond the confines of this current experiment to how these kinds of brain implants could be integrated into everyday life, 
ultimately countering the risks posed by artificial intelligence. Elon Musk has not been shy about saying, you know, we why just focus on the medical space? We can, you know, there are other things that we can use it for, you know, store our memories, access the way we want. So this is like even like to be able to go against the threat of artificial intelligence. But if this technology can control AI, there are fears about the potential medical impact. Could be brain hemorrhage, could be you know, seizures. Even though they're using a novel way to uh, implant the device, we just don't know if it's truly going to be a more safer approach. Uh, for human patients. Some doctors and lawmakers also raise concerns that primates used to test the technology were euthanized after suffering seizures and paralysis from the brain implants. Neuralink said it experimented only on primates with pre-existing conditions and that they were euthanized under anesthesia. Owen Fairclough, CGTN, Washington. Well, Tanzania is moving to control emissions in its cities. The country is starting with public transport, paving the way for a greener and more sustainable future. Now, one local e-mobility company has started producing electric three-wheeled motorcycles, mostly used as taxis. Our Daniel Kijo has more. With rapid urbanization in Tanzania's cities like Dar es Salaam, traffic congestion and air pollution have become a pressing issue. The introduction of electric three-wheeled motorcycle taxis, also known locally as tuk-tuk, is seen as a solution to cut emissions, but more importantly, to give more value and profit to the drivers. The price of a full charge for two hours and a half, 100 kilometers, you charge at for a little bit over a dollar. Or you can easily say just a price of a dollar. That's the cost of charging because it's only seven units. Hence, uh, on an internal combustion engine, the ones that use petrol, the same distance you'll use petrol for $10 around that. Drivers using the traditional engine fuel models face numerous financial barriers including costly maintenance, rising fuel prices, and limited access to credit. The e-mobility company Tri says their electric tuk-tuks are fitted with world-class electrical systems. We use motors, a powerful 4-kilowatt motor. The system runs on electricity derived from a 100-amp battery. Despite the numerous advantages, the rise of E3-wheel taxis in Tanzania has not been without challenges. Very few drivers have embraced the new bikes. One key hurdle is a lack of charging infrastructure to support these vehicles throughout the country. Um, we're looking at a challenge more on the electrical and the programming side because these vehicles are actually becoming smarter and more electrified. And that's where the expertise is kind of lacking to an extent. This is why organizations like Tree um, are not only mentioning a gap but also trying to fill the gap by providing in-house training themselves. In a move to promote and empower local drivers and entrepreneurs to own three-wheeled motorcycles, the e-mobility company Tri with the support of the government, has come up with a lease-to-own model. The model is geared at fostering economic growth while being environmentally conscious. The government is also taking steps to support the building of charging infrastructure around the most busy cities. Fuel-powered three-wheelers like the ones behind me are gradually being faded out. Soon all of them might be electrified. Tanzania right now has about 5,000 electric vehicles on the road already, and the plan is there to be thousands more. Daniel Kijo, CGTN, Dar es Salaam, Tanzania. Well, as people in China and across the world continue to usher in the Year of the Long, also known as the Year of the Dragon, Chinese tourists in Egypt got a chance to witness a special event held to welcome the Chinese New Year at the pyramids of Giza. Our Yasser Hakim was there and has more. It was an action-filled day for all those in attendance. Early in the morning, a group of Chinese tourists were given a once-in-a-lifetime experience by paragliding 
over the Great Pyramids of Giza to mark the year of the Long, also referred to as the year of the Chinese dragon. How to say it, my 10 or 9 days in Egypt, so it's a very magic city, fascinating. Uh, I've been Cairo and uh, Hagarda. It's very so exciting vacation for me. Guests were then invited to a reception at a unique venue overlooking the pyramids, where they were warmly greeted by their Egyptian hosts. Happy New Year! Uh, it's a prosperous uh, year, and also the dragon is a, is a symbol. I've, I've read about it and how it represents to the Chinese community, and I really wish them a, a beautiful and successful year ahead. The Chinese visitors enjoyed the Egyptian traditional music and dance show, as well as the breathtaking view of the Giza Plateau as they celebrated the Year of the Dragon in the land of the pharaohs. As the event is taking place at the backdrop of the wonderful ancient monuments here, it was inevitable that discussions and talks at these celebrations would focus on strengthening bilateral tourism ties. Chinese tourism inflow has been increasing annually, and according to the Egyptian Tourism Ministry, the number of Chinese tourists visiting Egypt has jumped by 270% in 2023, compared to the year before. I'm quite happy to see the increasing numbers of Chinese uh, uh, tourists coming to Egypt, uh, coming to, to get to know the, our culture. The reason was uh, for the ease of, uh, of obtaining the visa. The Egyptian visa is now could be obtained from any port of entry. And this is a big facility of uh, uh, enabling any tourist to jump into the flight and come and also so I think the packages is quite affordable in return of what the tourist is getting in return of the of the experience. Egypt attracted a record 14.9 million tourists in 2023, but is banking on visitors from China, the largest tourism source in the world, to achieve its target of attracting 30 million tourists by 2027. Egypt like with a very long history so I really want to see different culture and to meet like different persons and the persons here are very enthusiastic they really like Chinese people and yeah so they are really, really friendly actually so efforts by major tour operators have seen significant investments made to meet the growing demand for the Egyptian market we uh, make an engagement or make an investment with a Chinese company uh, to invest something like uh, 50 million USD at uh, Nile River uh, to build some new Nile cruises, especially for Chinese. Now it's something like uh, 30, more than 30 uh, flights per week. It is almost more than 120 uh, flights per month. It's almost 100%. I mean, it's double the number. Everything is double now. And to call it a day, the enthusiastic crowd witnessed the Chinese flag being flown over the Great Pyramids of Giza to make the Chinese Spring Festival celebration in Egypt a memorable one for years to come. Yasser Hakim for CGTN, Cairo, Egypt. And that's going to do it for us. I'm Michael Wong here in Beijing. We'll see you again next time.